Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. I'm starting to think that living a dramatic, story-worthy life and happiness are at worst mutually exclusive and at best giving each other a run for their money. C.J. Hauser, The Crane Wife. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And this week, we're hosting another new release roundup with retail floor manager Olivia Schaefer. Barring catastrophe, by the time you hear this, we will have launched our new website and point of sale system, and we are thrilled that years, and I do mean years, of research, work, and effort will have finally resulted in this great change for our store. We hope you'll be patient with us as we work out the kinks in this new system and as you explore our new website for the first time. We have some fun perks for customers who purchase from us over the next couple of weeks as we ensure the full functionality of the site. Just follow us on Instagram at BookshelfTville or visit the new site at BookshelfThomasville.com for more information. We are thrilled with these fun and exciting and hard-won changes, and we hope you will be excited with us. Don't forget to, as Olivia and I chat about these titles, if you purchase or pre-order any of the books we talk about today, you can enter new release please at checkout to get 10% off your order. Just go to the new website at bookshelfthomasville.com and then instead of shopping around, you can just see new releases on the homepage. We're very excited about this and hopefully it's true. By the time you listen to this episode, um, you will see all of today's titles under the podcast on the homepage. So we're really excited about that change. Olivia, hi, hello. Hello. It's so weird to direct people to a website that we have seen, but no one else has seen. I I was like, wait, how do they shop new releases? It's just on the homepage. Yeah, so easy. So easy. And with a great search function. A working search function. Yes, a working search bar. It's very exciting. Uh, We've seen it. We're excited. Yeah. So are you excited about July books? I am very excited about July books. There's some really great titles out in July. Yes. Like I, when I sat down to make my list, I thought, oh, is this just going to be a couple of them I've already read? But I thought, is this just going to be my TBR list for the month? Because it sounds pretty good. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a good list of books. Um, Okay. How many do you have today? I have seven. Okay. I think I have eight. I think you start. Yeah. I'll go first. My first book released this week, it is Honey and Spice by Bolu Babalola. You may recognize her name from a short story collection she released, mm, I believe, last year called Love in Color. I know her from Twitter. I am not on Twitter very much these days, but I have always liked um, Bolu Babalola's tweets regarding the romantic comedy genre, and now she has written her own romantic comedy. This is a rom-com set on a college campus in Great Britain. Uh, Kiki Banjo is a young Black British woman. She's the host of a radio show on her college campus called Brown Sugar, where she kind of encourages young women of color to hold their own and to kind of 
be independent, be wary of players, etc. But then she winds up kissing a guy named Malachi Cordy and turns out he's kind of a player. So her reputation on campus is shot because she's really supposed to be this tough-minded love expert. And instead, it looks like she has just fallen for this player. They haven't. I don't even really know the circumstances behind their encounter. But they wind up embarking on a fake relationship so that she can keep her radio show. And if you are into rom-coms with that trope where two people fake a relationship, but of course, then ultimately fall in love, I think you might like this book. I have not read this one yet, but it is on my list of books to read this month. I've got the ARC and I'm hoping to dive in. Also, it received a starred review from Publishers Weekly and a few of the books on my list today received starred reviews. And I always think that's kind of a good sign. It's kind of how I know do I give this a go or, or not? So anyway, it looks great. I'm really excited about it. It looks like a fun romantic comedy. It is called Honey and Spice by Bolu Babalola. It came out this week. Okay. I'm starting off with middle grade. Okay. And an uh, author that I loved her first book. This is an uh, author, Carrie Firestone. This is her second book, The First Rule of Climate Club. And her first book was Dress Coded. Which I believe I also talked about on the podcast because I loved it. It was about a group of students who put together a podcast in in rebellion of their school's uber strict dress code. Um, And they won by doing like a huge protest at the school. Well, this is set in the same world. The girls in this book ride the bus with the girls who are in dress coded who are now in the high school. Oh, fun. And so we're back at the middle school, but with this girl, Mary Kate, who just joined the school's climate club, where they meet uh, every week and they just talk about how ways to make the town and the school more climate friendly. Um, Mm -hmm. And they end up like competing for this like grant from the mayor for like $10,000 to complete their project. I'm kicking myself because I can't remember exactly what their project was. Oh, it was composting. They were composting (laughs) because they realized how much um, food in the cafeteria gets thrown away every day and how this is adding to the methane gas that goes up into our atmosphere. But Mary-Kate joined this climate club with her best friend, Lucy, but Lucy got sick the summer before and hasn't been able to return to school because of her unknown illness that Hmm. they're trying to battle through. And so... I would recommend 10 and up. Like they do talk about topics like systemic racism and Mm -hmm. Lucy does have um, like a pretty serious illness, Mm -hmm. but the way it is all addressed is so well done. And if you have a little activist reader, like (laughs) these would be the first two books that I buy them. It is just, they're so well done. Um, And they explain topics so thoroughly. Oh, that's really really lovely. My next one is Sister Mother Warrior. This is by Vanessa Riley. Okay, do you remember the book Island Queen that came out last year and it was like thick, beautiful cover? Okay, that's Vanessa Riley. But I'm here to tell you, I did some research today because I have not read Island Queen and I've not read Sister Mother Warrior, but now I'm more intrigued than ever because turns out Vanessa Riley is a Georgia writer. So she's from Georgia. She lives in Atlanta. She has written over 20 books. I wrongly assumed that Island Queen was her first book, but she has written over 20 books. She writes a lot of historical fiction, romance, and mystery kind of set in the Regency and Victorian eras. So 
lots of books with kind of romantic covers, kind of genre-specific covers. Turns out she also has her doctorate in mechanical engineering and a master's in industrial engineering. I was stuck. I was like, wait a minute, what? And so now she still, I think, writes those romantic or mystery kind of more genre-specific titles, but she's embarked on these really well-researched books of historical fiction. So last year or the year before, Island Queen came out, and now Sister Mother Warrior is releasing on July 12th. It's a book about the Haitian Revolution, which is something I'm actually pretty interested in. I got the opportunity to visit Haiti a few years ago, and it's a really beautiful country, and its history is really interesting. And so this book is about the Haitian Revolution, and it's based on two historical real-life women. One was the first empress of Haiti, and the other is Grand Toya, who was a warrior who led the rebellion that freed the enslaved people of Haiti. So I'm very, very curious about this. And I also think, based on now what I know about Vanessa Riley, that these books are impeccably researched. If you go to her website, she has a ton of research and resources on her site. Like You can just tell she's really done the work. And I guess knowing her educational background, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm thinking if you are a reader who is frequently waiting for books by Fiona Davis, who I would consider also to be somebody who's really well-researched. She's got this great journalistic background. It might be time to try Vanessa Riley and to pick up her books as well and kind of read them as you're waiting on a Fiona Davis book. So this is Sister Mother Warrior. It's about the Haitian Revolution, written by Vanessa Riley, out on July 12th. And the, the covers of these books of Island Queen and, and Sister Mother Warrior are really striking and beautiful. Yeah, I will always remember Island Queen cover because it had that bright blue and then the yeah. Yes, it's and they're really thick books, which I think has deterred yeah. me before. But this, I don't know, the one about the Haitian Revolution, I'm just kind of curious about. And I'm realizing sometimes that I learn, I learn more even from fiction sometimes than I do from nonfiction. And maybe this would be a good way to learn more about the Haitian Revolution. There was an article in the New York Times recently about the history of Haiti. So I'm intrigued. Anyway, and who knew Vanessa Riley with her engineering degrees? What in the world? <laughs> That's, you know, intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> She's just accomplished so much. Good at in, everything. In very different realms. <laughs> yes. It's like what it best like, all around it, in high school. Does an yeah. engineering degree help you like engineer a book plot? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> I wonder if there's any overlap there. Yeah. Good for her setting goals all around. Yeah. Okay. My next one is another middle grade. Um, and I think I forgot to put these first two are out July 5th. So this past Tuesday. That's right. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners will never understand how difficult (laughs) it is. (laughs) They won't. Um, Okay. This is Chester Keene Cracks the Code by Kekla Magoon. And I am like a quarter of the way into this book, and I am loving every single second in this book. Um, (laughs) This is about Chester, which first off, amazing. amazing. Great name. And Chester is the type of kid who like, compulsively sticks to a routine. He wakes up, he has like his routine down by the minute. He knows exactly (laughs) where he'll be. Um, And he sticks to that every single morning. He doesn't deviate. 
And so Chester also just lives with his mom. Um, he's never met his dad, but his dad has always sent gifts for like holidays and birthdays and such. And from those gifts, Chester has started to try to like piece together who he thinks his father is. And Chester has determined that his father is a spy because he sends him a lot of like uh, riddles and coded stuff and like the history of spies. So Chester is under the assumption that his father is a spy. And then he gets into a rather violent altercation with a bully, which 10 and up from here, I would say. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, very well done. The adults around him did the right things. Like everything, everything was done correctly in this instance. But Chester got really upset and he found an email that his dad left on one of the packages that was delivered. And he starts to email his dad and telling him what happened. And then the next day he wakes up and on his door is this envelope with two little riddles, but they're labeled number one and number three. And so he's missing number two and he goes to school and he's like trying really hard to figure this out. He goes to like sit in his little lunch corner where he gets his little four seater and no one bothers him. And this girl comes over sky and she has riddle number two and riddle number two helped. And she, sorry, she has two and four. And so Mm. together they start to piece together this mystery, but neither one of them knows who has given them this riddle, but it has led them together. And I think Skye thinks it's her father and Chester thinks it's his father. They both think their fathers are spies. (laughs) Interesting. Um, But it's really, really fun because they are like polar opposites. Like Chester likes things neat and in place and like clean and like, the first time he meets Sky, she like takes off her gloves inside out and just throws them on the table. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so grossed out by her, but like they they're slowly becoming the best of friends. It's really delightful. Oh, <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. It sounds like it could be, I don't know, but it sounds like it could be the start of a series, is it? I don't just, know. It just has um, that Charlie Chester Keene sounds like a hero you'll it, want to read more about. I know. I kind of hope it does. I'm really excited about it. I haven't read this author before. I think she's written something else, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay. It is absolutely delightful. Absolutely delightful. Also describes my next book, which is The Crane Wife (laughs) by C.J. Hauser. This is one of my favorite books of the year. Highly anticipated. I think I read it in January or February and have been waiting, waiting, waiting to put it in people's hands. I love C.J. Hauser and her writing a lot. She briefly lived in Tallahassee while she was working on her PhD at Florida State University. And as a result, she hosted a book signing with us for her first book, which was called The From Aways. And then we also fell in love with her book, Family of Origin. Those both were works of fiction. I still highly recommend those as backlist titles. But this is an essay collection. The title essay, The Crane Wife, was actually featured in 2019, which feels like last year, but it actually wasn't. It was several years ago. (laughs) But in 2019, The Crane Wife was featured in the Paris Review, and it was an essay that kind of went viral. Like, I forget how many clicks that essay got. But from there, I think, is where she was able to kind of get this book deal where she could write this essay collection. So 
she writes a lot about a lot of different things. That's what I love about this book. The essays are all about wildly different subjects, but they somehow all are connected. So she's writing about love, robotics, science, queerness, the Philadelphia story. There are all kinds of really beautiful essays. There's one really lovely essay about her dad, um, about sharing a house with people, about being of a certain age and not being a biological mother. I loved this collection so very much. I don't know where it will land in my top 10 of the year, but it will be very near the top, I think. I already, I was flipping through it to pick a quote for the episode today. And I thought, oh my gosh, I think I need to reread this because it's got these great lines. And I I led one, uh, led with one today. But the lines really are just part and parcel of this really much larger essay, much larger story. And so it made me want to go back and and reread them. I just love this book so much. I highly, highly recommend it. Again, it is an essay collection called The Crane Wife by C.J. Hauser. You can still find The Crane Wife, the essay, on the Paris Review website. So what I frequently tell people is go read that essay, go read an essay from an author's work, and then you can decide if the whole collection is worth it for you, but I think it will be. So The Crane Wife by C.J. Hauser out on July 12th. That is the second time in the past 24 hours that the Philadelphia story got brought up. It is. <laughs> it's because it's so good. And you should, I don't know, I don't, act, I was going to say you should watch it. I don't actually know. Do you like black and white movies? Do you like old movies? I don't sure. know. Sure. I mean, I have to be in the right mood. Yeah. But I can appreciate I feel that. Well, The Philadelphia Story is lovely and funny and really the, um, what do I want to say? Peak, mm, peak. Uh, it's not even a rom-com. I don't know. I think some people would, do, that's what the whole essay is about. It's not really a rom-com, um, <laughs> but it is like, if you like Nora Ephron, to me, this is like more of that where I think it's really clever. It's really smart. The characters are interesting. It's Catherine Hepburn, Jimmy Stewart. Like, that's good. That's really good. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Okay. My next book, finally adult, super excited. Um, This is Acts of Violet by Margarita Montemore. This is also out this past Tuesday on July 5th. And I am like 90% positive that like this book was written for me. (laughs) In like a lab. (laughs) I think she like, I don't know. I don't think I met Margarita, but maybe she (laughs) found out about me. (laughs) This is about Violet Volk who is this like world famous magician and Violet Volk is like, she has gone viral in so many different ways, but her, her biggest show was her final show back in her hometown where she did a disappearing act, disappeared at the end and just never came back. Hmm. And she kind of left her sister Sasha in a lurch where it was, Sasha thought the show was for her because they kind of had a a pretty uh, rough history together that you start to like piece together throughout the book. And so she kind of thought this was Violet apologizing in in her own way. And then she just disappeared. And Sasha was left with the press hounding her as wondering if she knows where her sister is. And like, there were just like so many viral threads after that too, that basically Sasha was never uh, able to like mourn her sister leaving and without saying goodbye. But Sasha moved forward and she had this daughter, Quinn. And, oh, I'm sorry. Quinn was alive while Violet was still around. 
But you start to see Sasha and Quinn in present day. It's 10 years after Violet's disappearance. And the internet has blown up again because they think Violet's going to come back for the 10 year like anniversary of it. And this is when she's finally going to like show up again. So there's like a lot to do in their town. And Sasha's yet again hounded with press and Quinn's asking questions because she also just wants to know what's going on. Does she know more about Violet? Like there's their history has really been kept secret from Quinn. And then this true crime podcaster comes to town. Of course. Right? (laughs) Of course. And he is determined to get an interview with Sasha, but she is super worried that he's going to turn this around on her yet again, like all the press does, because they don't think she's as sympathetic to her sister's disappearance as she should be, because they don't know the whole story. But it was every part of the magic that I wanted. And Mm -hmm. then it was also this like really intricate look at this like kind of crazy sisterhood story because they were on two different levels of their life the entire time. And I don't think there was one moment where they kind of saw each other for who they were. Mm. Um, Or if there was, it was at different times and they never got to meet in that moment. Yeah. And then you're also just watching this mother daughter relationship that is kind of broken because of all the secrets that were kept um, start to heal. So it was just, so well done. So much is happening, but it was so good. I think for sure this is in my top 10. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So I looked this up because you recommended it for me to talk about during summer literary lunch. So I looked this up and I think I would like to read it. And I actually looked up, I'm about to wrap up an audiobook, And so I thought maybe it would be a fun one to listen to. And I'm curious, I think, I, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure about this, but I think when I looked it up on Libro FM, it's got multiple narrators because is the book told in alternating or is there like podcast transcripts? It, it looks like it's a performance piece almost. It for sure is. And my bookseller friend, Jill, over at Novel Books, yeah, she listened to the audiobook and she said it was phenomenal. Oh, So me. if you're an audio person, I think that'd be good. There are like live transcripts of podcasts in the book. Mm-hmm. And like I, I read this now a couple months ago, but I believe it does like change um, point of views as well. Okay. So you can see okay. what it is. But I heard it's a really great audiobook. So I really Perfect. recommend that way. But I also read the book in a single sitting because I couldn't put it down. So either okay. way, you're going to get a great experience. Okay. I think I may download that one when we hang up. <laughs> okay. My next one, I think maybe possibly an Olivia Annie crossover. I, if I could find the ARC, we could share it <laughs> and figure it out. But so far, I know I have this somewhere. Okay, this is Our Wives Under the Sea. It's a book by Julia Armfield. It comes out on July 12th. It's a debut novel. Julia Armfield has written, I think, a collection of short stories called Salt Slow. But this is her first novel. And basically... When I was reading this, it almost sounded to me like the book The Wanderers. I don't know if you ever read that book, but the Chuck Wendig. I think that's right. And like it's a group of astronauts training for space. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. To have the book. Anyway, it, it reminded me of a book I've read about space. So the main characters are Miri and Leah. Leah is a scientist, like a marine biologist, and she is about to embark on a submarine expedition. And it's supposed to be a three-week thing. And instead, something goes wrong on the submarine, and she's underwater for six months, which, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> which, 
which honestly, I which what a nightmare. Like, can you imagine thinking you're going to be gone for three weeks and then instead six months and you're underwater? Like, it gives me the heebie-jeebies just thinking about it. Absolute nightmare. I'm 100% <laughs> in on this book. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So she, okay, wait. So she is underwater for six months and the whole time her wife, Miri, is like, trying to cope and trying to, she even joins like a message board on the internet. I think of wives who pretend their husbands are astronauts. I'm not sure why they pretend. I'm not sure why she didn't just find a group of of people who are actually (laughs) married to astronauts. It's fine. Anyway, but she's trying to find ways to cope with her wife being gone this long and being gone under really precarious circumstances. Her wife comes home, Leah comes home, Mary is relieved until Leah starts to exhibit strange symptoms like her skin is a little silvery and she has to run the water day and night like when she's in the bathroom like the water is always running she has a sound machine that plays water sounds and something is wrong but Mary doesn't quite know what it is it's described as slight maybe horror fantasy okay I think I'm kind of into this. <laughs> so, and I I promise the ARC was a pretty thin. I wish I could find it. Um, I will find it. But it looks pretty good. And I thought, oh, I think this sounds like the dysfunctional uh, spousal relationship that Annie loves to read about. Don't know why. And then <laughs> it sounds like, you know, I do think you and I both, I think about Blake Crouch, who I know you're going to talk about. I think about... Um, oh, Andy, we're like, I do love books like that where it's kind of otherworldly and she's been underwater for so long. And then when it was like her skin starts to have a silver tint, I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> so anyway, this is called Our Wives Under the Sea. It sounds really good and really interesting. It's by Julia Armfield. If you like Annie Picks and Olivia Picks like mashed up together, I think this is one. It's out on July 12th. This sounds really good. <laughs> Doesn't it? And yeah. it's got us it's got a starred review too. From, so like I think it really is quite good. Yeah. Okay. My wife beneath <laughs> the sea. Our wives <laughs> close. So close. <laughs> our, our wives under the sea. Yeah. Add that to your TBR. I'm going to look for the ARC, and if I can find it, we'll share it. It looks good. Yeah, that sounds really good. My next one is the new Ruth Ware, the It Girl, which just uh, just a little funny tidbit about this. Every time I see this cover, instead of saying the It Girl, I say the IT Girl. I don't know why. <laughs> different <laughs> it's kind of book. about a tech company. <laughs> different, different book. Probably a rom-com, actually. Let's write it. The IT Girl. <laughs> Um, but it's the it girl and this is out July 12th. I haven't gotten a chance to read this yet, but I'm very excited too because I've loved Ruth Ware. I think she's a great, um, author. She does really great mysteries. Um, so this is about like a tight knit group of friends that all met in college, which right off the bat, I'm already in. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Um, but one of them, April dies after their first term there. And she dies under pretty mysterious circumstances. They do end up like catching the guy. His name is John Nevin and he's uh, sent to jail. And then years later, two people in the friend group are married and they're expecting their first child. When they hear that the guy, the killer of April uh, passed away in prison. And they're, they're kind of met with like a sense of relief. Like, Oh, this has all been like 
put to rest down. Yeah. But then they get a knock on our door from a journalist who is researching into April's death because he found evidence that John Nevin didn't actually kill April. And then they start looking Mm -hmm. at their friend group and realizing that secrets might be behind them. This all sounds like... I've read this before, like uh, like the secret history meets like, um, all all the girls are so nice here type book, but I know Ruth Ware and I know something crazy is going to happen. Like it's not straightforward. What book did you and I read? I feel like it was just within the last year and the friends stayed in a house together and oh my gosh, I feel confident you and I both read this book and they stayed in a house together and weird thing, like one of the friends had died. Like this does sound like a book that has been written before. But didn't we not like that book? We didn't. We did not okay, like it. Okay, it was The Return. Oh no, that book was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't great. This was great. That book was a horror book. This one I'm thinking of was more suspense. God, I, now I'm, it's gonna drive. It's gonna drive me Is crazy. Is it all the girls are so nice here? That but like, I didn't think toxic college friendship. Did they have a house? Did they rent a house together? This was one where they like go back and they rent the house and they realize the person whose house it is isn't there. Like one of their friend group has gone missing. Are they at a college reunion? Something like that. Yeah. Oh, what was that book? Right. It. What I'm really trying to say is this. You are correct. This Ruth Ware book <laughs> description sounds like a book we've all read. And yeah. probably enjoyed, but you're right. It's all about in the hands of a good writer. I'm going to read this book. It sounds great. I, I will also be reading this. <laughs> I love Ruth Ware. I think she does a great job. So I'm very excited about it. And Nancy is halfway through and she's really enjoying it. Oh, good. Okay. All yeah. Right. Okay. Up next for me is a book called Big Girl. This is by Mecca Jamila Sullivan. I featured this in Summer Literary Lunch. It comes out on July 12th. It's a debut novel. I've started it and really like what I've read so far. The main character is Malaya Clondon, and she's a young girl. I think when the book opens, she's maybe seven or eight years old, and she's immediately compelling. I think there's been a trend recently to see adult books with child main characters, or at least maybe I am just reading more books like this. Um, Through the course of the novel, Malaya grows up, but the book opens when she's really young. She's growing up in Harlem in the 80s and 90s, and her mother, when the book opens, her mother has her in Weight Watchers. And so she's like seven or eight years old and going to Weight Watchers. And her father and mother clearly disagree on the best ways to kind of parent Malaya and kind of raise her with both body positivity and then also a good understanding of health and personal care. And so they really, there's some tension immediately between the mother and the father. And as the book continues, when she, when Malaya reaches the age of 16, like there's discussion about having gastric bypass surgery. There's a lot of conversation here, obviously about weight and potentially disordered eating. So if those are kind of triggers for you, be warned. But the book is also really a lovely portrayal of Harlem in the 80s and 90s. There are a lot of cultural references. Malaya goes to a predominantly white school, and so there's a lot of conversation around race and systemic racism. It's really about how 
people treat black women's bodies and from an early age. I think that's what's so striking about the book is she starts so young and then we watch her as she grows up. Um, The book is also really funny. I think the publisher uses the word compassionate and I think that's accurate. I've really liked what I've read. I think the writing is great um, and I always like supporting a debut novel. So this is out on July 12th and it is called Big Girl by Mecca Jamila Sullivan. Also another starred review. I was going to say it also has a really great cover. It does have a really great cover. I like it. Yeah. Okay. My next one I'm very excited about is Upgrade by Blake Crouch. Uh, This is out July 12th. And if you've ever read Blake Crouch, just go ahead and buy it. It's just as great as everything he's ever written, ever. Did you get to read it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's good. I know. I read it on my e-reader. I didn't have like an actual arc of it, so I couldn't give it to you afterwards. But it is incredible. And I think um, more along the lines of recursion than like dark matter where I think recursion had a very, not very, but like there is an emotional element to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of follows the same in this one, but this one is basically all about genealogical warfare. (laughs) So like our society has figured out how to alter DNA and like modify human beings for better or for worse. And you kind of follow this guy, Logan Ramsey, who he works for, it's called the GPA, the Gene Protection Agency, which I think it's just funny because mm. it's also like GPA, like you're great. <laughs> um, Logan is like trying to hunt down this big um, science lab where they're doing all of these experiments that are illegal. And mm. he gets this tip that it's in this one like basement type bunker place from this like big wig, like think like the mafia of like gene warfare. Like this is where he's headed. And he goes into this basement only to realize that like he triggered a bomb and this explosion happens and he's left in the hospital where they think he just has this like viral infection that he will go through in a couple of days. He'll be fine. Mm -hmm. So he goes home at the end and he starts to realize like a week or so later that like his perception has become enhanced. Like Mm -hmm. he notices like micro expressions and like he's able to like he's never been able to beat his daughter in chess. And all of a sudden he wins every single game. His IQ just spikes off the roof and then basically the GPA like collects him. They're just like, hey, we're going to have to do some more tests. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And I can't say too much because I was trying to go off of what was given from the summary and I don't want to give away spoilers because there is so much that happens in this book that I want to tell you, but I can't tell you. (laughs) Um, But Logan essentially has to figure out, is this where the human race is supposed to head Mm. as these like advanced human beings or is the human race supposed to advance more naturally? And he's Mm. kind of the one person in the position where he gets to decide this. Mm. It felt very, um, like if you've read the Da Vinci Code series, it felt very, uh, which one is it? Inferno, I think it was. Okay. It it was so well done because it asked these big questions. As you know, Blake always will ask these huge questions. Yeah, he's so good about ethical issues, but then it's also just really good action books, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I I really, Jordan and I love these. It's science. Yeah. It's ethics. It's also like philosophical to a certain degree. Um, But then it's also this like, 
family story at the heart of it that you don't know is actually heartwarming or not. It's hard to say. I'm still trying to process the whole family thing that happened with Logan. But it is so well done. Um, I highly recommend it. And it doesn't go too heavy into science at all. Okay. I'm excited about that. I'm I'm mentally trying to decide if I want to read it or listen to it. It was Um, a fast one. It was was really good. Okay. Very different. Next up for me is A Lady's Guide to Fortune Hunting. This is by Sophie Irwin. It's out on July 12th. This caught me. I was going through like the Publishers Weekly release dates and trying to figure out like what books did I want to feature. And this is not one I have read. And it is kind of outside genre for me. I feel like I've read a couple books like this and I always feel like, meh, that was fine because they're typically outside my genre. But I'm intrigued by this and it got so many blurbs. And blurbs aren't everything, but this was a wide range of authors. Taylor Jenkins Reid, and Taylor Jenkins Reid does blurb a lot, but it was just several recognizable names where I was like, oh, maybe I do want to pick this up. So A Lady's Guide to Fortune Hunting, it's a debut novel, and it's a sassy (laughs) Regency romance. The main character is Kitty Talbot. Her father has died and has left then her with all of his debts. And so... The only way she can think to pay off her dad's debts is to participate in the London season. So like the debutante, I guess, season. So she goes to London and her main goal is like find a man, trap him into, you know, not even a real, like I guess a sham marriage so that she can have his money to pay off her dad's debt and to kind of save her family from ruin. So a little bit, a little bit Austin-esque, Jane Austen-esque. Apparently the main character Kitty is quite smart and funny and charming and witty and also quite conniving. And of course, there's a man who sees through her and who understands that she is just participating in the season to um, trap a guy into marriage. And maybe there is some romantic tension there. It sounds really great for people who like Bridgerton and are still riding that wave. The cover is great. I would typically not put this on my TBR just because it's not maybe my standard genre, but I am going to. Like, I I think I'm really curious and I kind of like the sounds of Kitty. And yeah, I'm going to read this. It's called A Lady's Guide to Fortune Hunting by Sophie Irwin. It's a debut. It's gotten a lot of buzz from other authors. I think the woman who wrote The Princess Diaries, I think Meg Cabot did a big blurb. Taylor Jenkins Reid did a big blurb. It just, there were so many authors championing this work that I thought, well, maybe it'll be worth a shot. And it's a hardback, which is unusual. I feel like a lot of romance novels or rom-coms right now are paperback originals. So I'm intrigued that the publisher decided to go hardback here. And I'm always kind of, it's nerdy, but I'm kind of curious, like why? Like what's the, I don't know, what's the decision making there? So I'm going to read it and find out. (laughs) Okay. My next one is another one I'm super excited about. (laughs) Okay. This is Dead Water by C.A. Fletcher. I read his first book, A Boy and the Dog at the End of the World, back in, oh, it was either 20, I think it was 2018 when -hmm. it came out. And I believe it was like, if not my number one, it was definitely for sure in my, in my top 10 and a book that I still constantly recommend here at the bookshelf as well. If you have not read that book, please go read that book. (laughs) It is incredible. (laughs) And this book, I am over halfway through and I actually paused because I just want to give it its time because I'm enjoying it so much and I don't want it to be over. And I know I'm about, it's, it's one of those slow rolling and I am at like the, the top of the the hill about to snowball down and I'm just excited, but also sad that I feel like it's coming to a close so soon. 
Okay. Um, so this takes place in uh, on on a remote island in like the North Atlantic. I'm picturing in my head because it never says specifically, but like off the coast of like Greenland type okay. look. This is like present day though. Like kids have cell phones. There is technology okay. present, but like, ooh, I love a good remote island setting <laughs> <laughs> so much. And this is like a very small knit community of a remote island. And they are all very pleasant people, but they all also have their own baggage that they carry with them daily. Mm-hmm. And so far, everything that has happened has been within a 24 hour period, which is another thing oh. I really, really enjoy. Um, and I honestly didn't realize until halfway through the book where I was like, we still haven't concluded this single day. <laughs> and so you kind of meet everyone in like their normal day life, dealing with their inner battles, dealing with their neighbors and like the constant irritations that happen when you know, like 10 people on the island that you see daily. But then weird things start to happen. Uh, A monument on the island that's been there for hundreds of years gets knocked over. And like the animals on the island start behaving differently. And at this point in time, like this normal day starts like slowly defolding into like almost this nightmare type thing Mm. at night. And it is, this is why I know I am on the brink of this book, just going into pure unadulterated chaos and I'm so excited (laughs) Um, because at this point I'm so attached to the characters just like I was in a boy and his dog at the end of the world I like could not let go of those characters and these characters are also just so well done I would also like to live on this island without the like weird stuff that's happening. happening. <laughs> Is that the creepy part? <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe I can handle it. Who's to say? <laughs> all your all the reading would have prepared you. Yeah, exactly. And my cats would take care of me. But so far, it is excellent, um, and I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Okay, my next one is Crying in the Bathroom, which is a great title. This is by Erica L. Sanchez. She is the author of I Am Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter, which was a young adult novel that had a really striking cover. The cover of Crying in the Bathroom is beautiful. This is a memoir told in essays. So she's written fiction before, but this is her first work of nonfiction. And apparently it is laugh out loud funny. Um, She writes about her upbringing. She writes about... A lot of things, though, I do just want to say, she also writes a lot about dark things. So it's very funny, but you should also just know what you're getting into. So if you're wary about any particular kinds of content, she's writing a lot about depression, mental health, abortion, suicidal thoughts, racism. So like she kind of runs the gamut and covers a lot of territory, but she does it with insight and humor, which to me makes things very readable and exciting. And I I will probably look into this one, but I know some people might be more sensitive readers. So I just want to warn those of you who are. But it's also uplifting in that Erica Sanchez writes a lot about how she finds salvation in poetry and literature. So she grew up, I believe, um, as part of the Catholic Church. And at 12, she kind of realizes she doesn't like the Catholic Church. She feels like they don't care about or for women. And so from that point forward, she loses her faith and turns to instead poetry and literature. So I think she's dealing with themes that I find really interesting. And she also talks about motherhood. She's a mom. She's a wife. And so 
I don't know. I'm just really curious about this. I also am always intrigued by authors like CJ Hauser who like do fiction and then they switch over to nonfiction and they do it so well. And so Erica Sanchez is somebody who has done young adult fiction and now this is an adult memoir in essays. So I'm very curious. It is called Crying in the Bathroom and it sounds really great. Maybe akin to Crying in H Mart? Yes. <laughs> Put them side by side. Cry. Where can we cry? I actually, that'd be a fun end cap to they do cry. Yeah, to do crying titles. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Okay. My last book for July is The Witchery by S. Isabel. This is a YA novel um, out on July 26th. And this is about a girl named Logan from Canada, uh, which Canada. And, <laughs> but she goes down to Florida. Because in this town called Halesford, Florida, there is this like coven academy for witches. Um, and she is a new witch. Normally, they get their powers at 13. She got hers at 16. So she's really not mm. great at being a witch. But she joins this coven in hopes of like toughening up and really just immersing herself um, in this. And then she gets invited to join this like exclusive group of girls called the red three who are like the top of their skills at the witch academy and they kind of recruit her into their group and she's not totally sure as to why because again she's not great at being a witch but then you learn in this town that every haunting season which i believe is like the season surrounding october it's it's not made clear i'm just going off of like um witch assumptions Witch assumptions is my new favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So every haunting season, these these cursed wolves rise up out of the swamp and they go and they they kill people in the town. It's it's almost like a it's a ritual that happens there. But so the humans that live in this town know that this is going to happen, so they give sacrifices and like treasure to witches to in order for protection during said time. And so these. Red three, now four. Um, I don't know if they're going to change their name yet. I'm not that far into the book. <laughs> but the, um, the red uh, quad, they are now trying to be the first witches to break this curse in the town, but they don't realize exactly what they're getting themselves into. It's super good, super dark, very eerie. It gives me like deadly education vibes, but young adult, but probably like new adult, young adult. We all know what I'm talking about. Like, let's stick yes. maybe 14 or 15 years older. But the characters are really well done. And like, right off the bat, like, I can picture these girls and their personalities in my head. Like, they're they are okay. very well-constructed characters. And I'm really excited for this book. Okay, my next and last book for July is Any Other Family by Eleanor Brown. This comes out on July 12th. I recognized Eleanor Brown's name because she wrote a book a few years ago called The Weird Sisters. It was pretty popular, I feel like, in my early, early bookshelf tenure. And she's also written a book called Light of Paris. But this book sounds really interesting, especially there's a book coming out in August called Mika in Real Life that deals with adoption and adoptive parenting. This sounds interesting. So it's about these, I believe... Three Denver, Colorado families, two couples and a single mom. 
And they wind up adopting four biological siblings. And they have decided to try to keep these biological siblings in very close contact with one another. So even though this is three different families, they try to get together at holidays so that these biological siblings can grow up together still, even though they're being raised now by different parents. And so the goal is to kind of keep these siblings connected. The book winds up becoming about the adoptive mothers. So they're all on vacation together. One of them is the single mom who adopted, I think, the oldest kid. So a child in early adolescence. And she's a single mom with like lots of boundaries. She sounds like the Enneagram 5 of the group where she understands it's important for her child to get together with their other biological siblings, but she doesn't really love the commitment to always getting together with these three families and these women that she doesn't fully understand. And then one of the women is very kind of type A seeming. She's the one who adopted a set of twins and she kind of coordinates all of these family functions. And then there's another uh, mom. So it sounds like kind of each of these moms is supposed to represent maybe a certain kind of personality type or certain type of mothering. And then while they're all on vacation together, they get a call from the birth mom and she is pregnant with another child. And so these three families are trying to decide, what do we do? Like, do we adopt, does one of us adopt this other child so that they can grow up with their biological siblings? What is our responsibility here? So it just sounds really interesting. I know a lot of adoptive parents. And so I am always intrigued by books that address these topics. I hope they're addressed with grace. I've not read this book, but I'm curious about it. I'm curious about the issues that it brings up um, and by the different family dynamics. I, as somebody who is drawn to dysfunctional family literature, I am intrigued by essentially four different families, (laughs) uh, all trying to raise these children who are biologically related, but then all of the parents are not. And so how do those different personalities mesh in the raising of these children? So I'm very curious about it. It sounds to me, I don't know. I know nothing. I want to preface this. I don't know what movie stars pick as their favorite books, but like this seems like a Reese Witherspoon pick situation. Uh, It just feels like it could be really popular amongst book clubs and perhaps yeah, raise some interesting issues and conversations. So it is called Any Other Family. It's got a beautiful, I keep talking about covers, but this one's really pretty. This is, and it is by Eleanor Brown out on July 12th, Any Other Family. That sounds really good. Doesn't it? I'm just intrigued. I am very yeah. curious about it. And I, I do have the ARC, so I may, I may pick it up. Okay, so don't forget, all of the books we talked about today are available for purchase or pre-order on the Bookshelf website, which should look very new and pretty and fun and easy to shop. You can enter new release, please, at checkout and get 10% off your order. Just go to bookshelfthomasville.com to shop. Thanks, Olivia. This week, I'm reading The Midcoast by Adam White. Olivia, what are you reading? Deadwater by C.A. Fletcher. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Angie Erickson, Cammie Tidwell, Chantal Carls, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins, Lori Johnson, Kate Johnston Tucker, 
Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see write a review and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support, Front Porch friends, book club companions, and bookshelf benefactors. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.